Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Well, hello, Jonathan. How are you this week? I'm doing well, and it's been a huge week in the Whitfield household. Yeah, it's been interesting, that's for sure. You're just going to stay interesting? I mean, this is like this is like huge news, huge news. Yeah. <laughs> this is like okay. Amy's expecting level of news. But Amy's not. So. Yes. Let's go. First of all, let's be clear. Amy's not expecting. And second, it's it's on that um, level. We're having another kid level. Yes. It was. It was kind of a a big thing this week, and we've heard heard from people very kind words, and uh, so big news at a trustee meeting. meeting. Yeah. Yes. Yes. At the southeastern trustee meeting, uh, there were a handful of things that were voted on. It was a great, great trustee meeting. I mean, good, good things to report to them about our enrollment uh, record again this year. And oh, come on, get to the news. All right. All right. Uh, so a few motions, but one of them was that we uh, elected that our trustees, I'll say, elected a new vice president. Uh, for academic administration, and it was uh, Keith Whitfield. Who happens to be married to? Me. <laughs> Keith Whitfield, yes. Vice President Keith Whitfield. That's correct, so, yes. Congratulations, Keith. Yes. I know he, you listen uh, every week. The, he, he does. He listens so that he can tell me how it goes and how many ums I say. So. Oh, really? Well, I ask him to do that. Oh, okay. But cool. anyway, yeah, it's been a good week, and this is – it's a good thing for uh, the school, I think, and uh, it's a new position. It's not replacing it, anyone, so uh, he's going to be stepping in, helping the provost, uh, the the deans on the academic side, and helping just to do what they do. They they can work together. And I also liked how you how you had someone else on your team write the uh, release, so it didn't come from oh. goodbye line. Yes. Well, well, we have a brand new uh, writer on our team. Cassidy so Potter. Was, yes, Cassidy Potter. This is the first story that she did. But honestly, on this, w- when we announce new people, I sort of run point on it. And we have two or three folks on the team making sure we've got the right photos. We're ready to put it out at the right time, drop it. And I did, I did ask somebody else to run point on it because it was just – it was just a little, just asking for quotes, all that. It was just a little too weird. So I said, uh, I'm going to hand this off to you. You run point, make the assignments. And they they came out. I edited at the end, but they came up with a really good story. How professional of you. Thank you. Some other news coming out of the Southeastern Seminary Trustee meeting. You approved the creation of new student aid accounts, including, and, and this one was really cool, the Jeannie Elif Student Aid Fund. Yes, yeah, so we just, those come from um, donations from people, sort of specific designated funds, and there was one that was uh, named after Jeannie Elif, which is, uh, I know, a real honor. So there were a few other ones, but I think that's kind of a special one. Yeah, it is. Uh, Jeannie recently passed away just a few months ago, uh, former IMB president Tom Elif's wife. You might recognize that name from some SBC News recently. A couple other things came out of that. You approved a strategic plan that just finished and updating the campus facilities master plan. I know if you've ever been to the campus of Southeastern, you've got kind of the core campus. You've got some student housing that's down the road a little ways. So always right. uh, neat to try to figure out how those two areas kind of mesh with one another and, uh, and yeah, the city of Wake yeah. Forest as well. So. Right. It's all, it's interesting. And of course, 
What we always have to remember historically when we think of a, you know, our facilities master plan is that when our campus was built, it was Wake Forest College. So yeah. we moved in into that and the administration have an building. Incredible, doesn't it still have yeah. the uh, Wake Forest College seal in the administration it, building? It does. The the WF. So um, we have just a a beautiful campus. We came into and I love how uh, how we use everything. Um, but we just like everybody else, we have a, a master plan that that we're following. So it's kind of a normal thing to update that. Speaking of beautiful campuses, the Southern trustees also met this past week. Southern Seminary announced their largest ever non-duplicating headcount of, get this, 5,067 students. Wow. That's incredible. That's a lot. And that's uh, surpassing the previous record, 4,792. So from last year, yeah. Over 5,000, yeah. So 3,500 in the graduate work in the seminary, 1,200 at Boyce College. 1,200 at Boyce College. Just at the college. They have 1,200. Uh, and we talked to Adam Greenway last week on the podcast. Uh, you can go back and listen to that in last week's episodes. He said, you know, their capacity is running around thirteen or 1,400 right now for Boyce College. So nearing capacity uh, probably will reach that, I'm, I'm guessing, in a couple years. And they're, they're doing a lot over there. Dan DeWitt's done a great job at Boyce College, kind of in the, the line of some, some former deans, Jimmy Scroggins being one, a good friend of ours, uh, and a Lifeway Board of Trustee member. Uh, but uh, congratulations to Southern. Just a phenomenal thing going on there. It continues to grow. Also, uh, trustees approved without opposition a designation of Eamon Ibrahim as the Bill and Connie Jenkins Assistant yes. Professor of Islamic Studies. We talked about uh, Professor Ibrahim coming uh, on board a few months ago, and they finally just kind of made that official. One other note from the Southern Seminary trustee meeting is that the seminary's financial position, they brought in $1.2 million more in revenue last year than their expenses. So kudos to them. Uh, financially sound there and stable and growing. Uh, just a great job under the direction of Dr. Muller. And in other news, earlier this week, Midwestern announced that they have had record enrollment. That's the, There's that phrase again uh, for the fall semester. So this means it, this year... More students have enrolled than at any other fall semester in school history. Yes, 22% higher than last year, which that's was crazy. the previous top fall enrollment. Yeah, that's just crazy. And uh, this is such a, a, a great trend that we're seeing because, I mean, we've said it now, three schools, record, record, yeah. record. And, and the number um, at Midwestern, 1,700 students at Midwestern. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just phenomenal. And that pattern is so great. When you look at the uh, ATS numbers, the Association of Theological Schools, um, you're always going to see in those uh, those top numbers for enrollment, at least these days, you're always going to see the six Southern Baptist seminaries. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's pretty incredible watching these three. Yeah, even, even the, the smallest of the Southern Baptist seminaries, which was Midwestern a few years ago, now it is yeah. surging. Uh, and, and that is the appropriate word, a surge of enrollment at Midwestern. Dr. Allen has done a great job. I know they're really excited in, at Midwestern. I, I was on campus just a couple of weeks ago. Dr. Allen's excited about what's going on there. The faculty are excited. The students are excited. They're excited for everything that's going on at Midwestern, yes. and they have good reason. The new addition of the Spurgeon Library, uh, the faculty that they brought in, and Owen Strand and Christian George, among others, uh, it just just huge news coming out of Midwestern. It is a rising star in the theological education world. 
Yeah, and, and there are great things going on at all six. We've talked about uh, the other three, the ones that we, we haven't talked about this week. Uh, fantastic things that are going on in those places as well. We've highlighted some of those. Uh, but just looking at what's come out in these this week, uh, these just the, the news that they're telling about enrollment is really exciting. You are correct, Amy. And non-trustee and enrollment-related news this week, because uh, there yes. is some of that. Lecrae. Artist of the Year at the Devil Awards last week. Southern Baptist Lecrae. He's Southern Baptist. He goes to Blueprint Church, pastored by Dehati Lewis uh, in Atlanta. And the the SBC owns the top Artist of the Year in the Devil Awards. That's pretty crazy. Um, where Do you know anybody well, it's not that crazy that he that? won it. No, but, you know, I just like... Oh, yeah, we had, a, we had a ton of Lifeway people that were there. You should go one year. I really should. We We petitioned last year... To try to get them to let us come and live tweet it for them and like do a yeah. Twitter thing online, and we didn't succeed with that. We we kind of failed on that one. But I'm out of town this year, so I can't really go when I'm in Missouri. Whenever it happens in Nashville and I'm in Missouri, it's it's not going to happen for me. I, I would yes. love to go one year. Well, they're just a few years away from their 50th anniversary. It's the 46th annual, so maybe I can get that live tweeting gig worked out uh, by the 50th anniversary in four years. Very cool. Because that would be fun. Okay, other winners from the Dove Awards. We'll just cover this real quick. Uh, a lot of these will be familiar to the listeners. For King & Country, won Contemporary Christian Artist of the Year, Michael W. Smith, who performed in Lifeway Chapel last year, uh, won ah. Christmas Album of the Year for The Spirit of Christmas. Uh, the Gaither Vocal Band, Southern Gospel Artist of the Year. Uh, th- do they just give that to them every year? It just it seems like... They probably should. They now, probably should. It, it should be the Gaither the, Vocal Band, Southern Gospel Artist is, of the Year Award. Is Guy Penrod, is he still in that? Not sure. Okay, because that was my very that was my very last Lifeway Chapel to attend was the Guy Penrod. I'm chapel. not really up on my Gaither Vocal Band membership knowledge right now. I, I know okay. that Mark Lowry is no longer, I think, with them. Okay, I think I don't know. I, I, I don't I even know if he's Penrod still with them with anymore. And Guy might yeah. be with them. Guy might not. Might not. So Who knows? Um, I don't know. But I did. I did get my picture made with Guy that day. He was there. My mom's a big fan of the Gaither Vocal Band. Shocker there. Uh, the Oak Ridge Boys won Country Song of the Year for Sweet uh, Jerseys with Merle Haggard. I know you're a fan of the Oak Ridge Boys. And I then, always was. I, when I was a kid, I loved, loved, loved the Oak Ridge Boys. I think my brother coached one of their sons in baseball, too. But mm. um, I yeah. loved the Oak Ridge Boys always. And then Lauren Daigle from my home state of Louisiana was named New Artist of the Year. And her song, How Can It Be, which is one of my favorites, I was named uh, Pop Contemporary Song of the Year. I have an album. Uh, well, not an album, but just some MP3s of Lauren Daigle just doing some acoustic stuff. Her voice, amazing. Huge fan of Lauren Daigle. Very cool. Well, it was that was in Nashville, and it's going to air on TBN uh, this Sunday, 10 p.m. Eastern. Check out this week's airing of the Devil Awards. That's on Sunday night, like she said. We got a link to the information on that. You can find a local station uh, in your town. That's really it for the news this week. We do want to remember the folks in South Carolina and all the disaster relief going on over there that uh, NAM and the South Carolina Baptist Convention is coordinating. So our mm-hmm. prayers go out to those guys. Seen a lot of things online about the disaster relief going on from that flood. So uh, we're praying for you guys and uh, thank you, all you disaster relief uh, guys and girls at NAM and the state conventions for making that happen. Absolutely. Uh, one other story we continue to watch. We haven't talked about this in a few months, but uh, we don't need to forget uh, the Planned Parenthood story has not gone away. Nope. And uh, some interesting things this week in that they have said that they will no longer accept money for fetal tissue donation, which, of course, uh, folks have 
begun to question that, that all this time they've been saying, well, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing unethical about it. So now if you decide you're not going to do it, what does that mean for the defense? Yeah. If nothing's you know, wrong with that. it, why are you stopping? Uh, right, wait. right. Yeah. So that's something that obviously we're going to continue to watch uh, as Southern Baptists and, and in the, the way we view this issue, it's very important. It's important we continue talking about it, keep it kind of in, in the forefront of our minds and our prayers. All right, Amy, that brings us to this week in SBC history. Blow our minds. We're going to go back to 1960. Okay. Um, A lot of churches are right up, there already. Y- yes. <laughs> A little dust up in Waco, Texas. At Baylor? No, not not really uh, having anything to do with Baylor. Okay. But uh, the Waco Baptist Association, um, and I think, you know, I think other Southern Baptists in the area, but so they had a little dust up with former president at that time, former president, Harry S. Truman, who had been going around. Uh, he, he was making political speeches, campaigning for the democratic ticket, which would, would have, have been, been Kennedy. That's correct. Would have been Kennedy. Um, and so he, he kind of got, he got upset. He blamed Republicans for capitalizing on, um, smear literature against the Democrats, um, which I would assume I'm reading the story. Obviously some of that's going to come. The religious question was happening at that time with Kennedy being the first Catholic person elected. But, uh, anyway, he started going on and on and on and had some ad lib remarks and used a little bit of salty language Uh-oh. against the way against the Baptists. Well, just kind of, he said, he said, this is un-American. It makes me sick. It makes me want to fight. That's what I'm doing. Uh, bow my head in shame and pray to God to forgive these people for what they do. And then he told uh, farmers and people who voted Republicans that they shouldn't vote for Nixon. And if they do, he told them where he felt like they should go. Oh, hello. So, and then he announced that he would tell the Baptists what they ought to do. So the Waco Baptist Association they stepped up and they passed a resolution saying they looked with disfavor upon his public conduct and his manner of speech, all this kind of stuff. Um, So then Truman had a news conference and he said he was immune to anybody criticizing him of his views. He said, one reason I'm a Baptist is that nobody dictates to me. So he um, pulled the autonomy card. Yeah. Yeah. So there's just (laughs) this little back and forth. Um, So, you know, nothing really just this huge earth shattering thing, except to say we're in a time right now we're watching a lot of political candidates um, going back and forth. We have some Southern Baptists who are running. We've had issues e- even uh, in the last several months about how we should consider this. Well, that is nothing new because we were getting into it with Harry S. Truman um, 55 years ago this week in SBC history. Wow, that's amazing. I had no idea that Harry Truman had a beef with Baptist back in the day. He did. Well, that's a fascinating story, Amy. Thank you for that. We look forward to seeing what happened next week in SBC history on next week's episode. Uh, now, our resources of the week. My resource of the week is the new Pastor's Handbook by Jason Halopoulos. A new book come out uh, recently from Baker Publishers, and it is just a, a great look at you know what pastors can do in the first few years. Just help and encouragement for the first years of ministry. So Jason in this book has come alongside and tried to 
help new pastors kind of get their feet wet in the, and get off to a good start in their careers, uh, which is just a great help because you know it's one of those kind of, you don't really get a second chance to make a good first impression. So pastors starting out their new, in their first pastorate and even just ministry, you know, if you're starting out on staff or something, uh, it's always good to start off on the right foot. So I would recommend the New Pastors Handbook by Jason Halopoulos. What do you have, Amy? Uh, yeah, mine is actually one. I haven't read it yet, but I just saw it in the Lifeway store here this week. It's a book called, uh, just came out called When God Doesn't Fix It. It's by uh, Laura Story, who is a recording artist, uh, worship leader, has been a worship leader at Perimeter Church in Atlanta uh, for many years. Uh, and it's it, it's a story about when her husband, Martin, was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And uh, I, I knew a little bit about this story. We have some mutual friends. I've never met them, but we have mutual friends. I knew a little bit about this. And uh, when that happened, they were able to take care of it. And uh, I think they were able to remove it, but it hasn't quite been the same since then. There were some residual effects that will not go away. And so it really changed the story of their family. And so she has this one titled, When God Doesn't Fix It, Lessons You Never Wanted to Learn, Truths You Can't Live Without. And that when our lives take unexpected turns, how the faithfulness of God kind of comes in. So uh, I saw it. I'm really excited about it. I'm looking forward to reading it. Well, Amy, that'll do it for this week's episode. I know we got a lot of state conventions happening around this time of year. Uh, Dr. Rayner was in Colorado for the Colorado State Convention this past week. And I know a lot of those are starting to happen over the next few weeks. So be an interesting to to kind of keep an eye out on some of those big state convention meetings and see if uh, they're going to pass some of these things we've been hearing about. I know that uh, Florida, they have to approve the budget uh, that Tommy Green has has proposed. So uh, the 49-51 split. So that'll be uh, interesting to see if there's any discussion or uh, pushback on that down in Florida. We'll keep an eye on that and many other state conventions. Expect some state convention executive director news to come from a few of them as well. So anything else to add this week, Amy? Uh, Nope, I think that'll do it. All right, well, we will see you next week. See you next week.